Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. Hello, my name is Adrian David Stranick. I'm a musician from South West London and lead a band called the Broadway Twisters. Uh, I've just finished my debut novel, Monomania Mon More, which was inspired in part by the 1957 disappearance of Queen of the Pinups, Betty Page. Uh, I'd never heard of her until she was brought to my attention by Lux and Ivy of the Cramps during an evening in their Glendale apartment many moons ago. Uh, Little did we realise at that time that Paige was only an hour away in a San Bernardino mental asylum. In my book, Betty has been reimagined as Peggy Devereaux. Uh, Here is a short reading. Saturday, May 18th, 1985. The burial ground stretched off until it became the foothills of San Bernardino and dissolved up into the heavens. Once upon a storybook, this would have been Eden. Peggy May Devereaux worked the Orange Grove, north to the asylum which neighboured the graveyard, the final resting place of the unclaimed patients. She toiled out there for as long as they would let her, churning the earth and pruning the trees until the cows came home, or, in this case, Audley Alice, the bull dyke, bleating threats and waving everybody back inside at the day's end. You couldn't see a cattle rod and hypodermic, but Peggy knew Alice had them secreted somewhere on her person. Alice put Peggy in charge of the group, six human wrecks with at least some semblance of bodily control, utilising her natural enthusiasm for the dirt, an enthusiasm which imparted with conscientious determination to the sextet in her charge. Some of her happy memories were working her garden in the early hours, back in Florida, when Larry gave her a room at the back of the house long after their marriage crashed and burned. She took a rare break and leaned on the spade. Her bad shoulder and hip protested these endeavours, but they were just parts of her body, and her body was not important. Everything but her failing physicality spoke to her now, and the majesty of the distant mountains were no exception. It had taken 20 years to admit the unthinkable, but the one upside of insanity was that nothing was unthinkable. So she could damn well go ahead and think it. God was insane. The prophecies declared it, and as soon as the notion came down from the mountains into her brain and found itself on her tongue, she could say it. God was insane, and because she could say it, she knew it was true. The television room was usually busy by 8 o'clock on Saturday nights, but this evening was a rare exception to Patton State Hospital's many rules. She had the room to herself, so she placed herself front row and centre. The weekend edition of Showtime Tonight had been her weekly ritual for the 18 months she'd been sent back here. 
The television set was bolted high in the centre of the wall. Lucy Hartman co-hosted the show and exuded just the right balance of piety and glamour as clearly announced by a wardrobe of pastels and lipsticks that rarely erred beyond don't kiss me, don't ever fucking kiss me shades of magenta and cream. But the words Peggy waited for and would memorise until she could get back to her dormitory were not from Lucy's carefully maintained mouth, but from off-screen, from her vagina, from where the seven apostles issued forth their prophecies. For reasons it was not Peggy's to question, the talk show's reproductive organs were a receiving device connected to the oral corridor, a dimension in which all the sound that had ever been made on earth was trapped. The oral corridor was the barrier between this world and the next. Somehow, unbeknown to Lucy Hartman, her uterus was tuned into these prophecies and was the vessel through which they were delivered into Peggy's fevered mind. It was Peggy's fate to be charged with the mission of recording the prophecies which she would one day deliver to a wanting world. The TV star discharged her messages which spilled in liquid neon from the bottom of the warping screen and spread across the floor like a flood. Peggy removed her moccasins and let the sound fizz between her toes. Her feet sucked the words like sponge and her brain swelled with knowing. Time died in those moments and she was soon giddy with beatific scripture. After 45 minutes, the show ended and on quaking legs she got up fast and headed for her dormitory. Thankfully, the hallways were quiet tonight. Clearly something was happening elsewhere on the ward. Only Maud Pafko twittering inanely into a corner and some of the girls from the opposite dorm shuffled aimlessly across Zombie Boulevard, the patient's name for the main concourse which connected the four dorms and the nurse's station. Peggy cursed the fact that her tapes of the original prophecies were lost, the ones she had recorded before they put her away again. Would the cops still have them or were they here somewhere in this hospital? She would open every session with her shrink, Dr Nadermeyer, with an inquiry as to their whereabouts. But Nadermeyer would plead ignorant and they would endlessly explore their content of her claims that she was being tormented by androids from the future. These androids, equines, as Peggy related it, had sex organs that could adopt and regenerate with humans whose own genitalia would one day mutate into multitudes of new genders. Since the 1950s, way back before she got into all this trouble, Equines had been sending her violently obscene letters written in a language she didn't know but somehow understood with instructions on what they would do to her when they caught her. Things with gynecological tools, tools designed to rip her apart and remake her so that they could use her as a machine to produce more androids, more equines. But here, in the hospital, she was safe. Her other selves, an army of faceless Peggies, stood guard every night outside her window. Only once did she look at them. She stood on the head of her bunk while the rest of the dormitory slept and peered through the meshed window at the fields outside. Legions of herself stood in silence, all facing the window, waiting. They wore their hair like she used to years ago, in solid black bangs, but their faces were featureless, opaque and white. She knew that one day she would know what it was they wanted from her. After that one night when she saw them, she never looked at them again. She knew they were always there and took comfort that the E-Queens could never extract their horrific desires upon her.
I will never forget seeing that on Top of the Pops and seeing Einar Ern toasting away by Björk's side and just being like, who are these guys? I like them. I found my tribe, Sugar Cubes, with Hit, and I play that because um, it's Sigtrigger Balderson's birthday. Amazing drummer of the Sugar Cubes, founding member, another Libra, and also erstwhile boss of mine, actually. I, I used to work with Sig Siggy, as we call him, it's just easier, um, at uh, Iceland Music Export many years ago. So, um, happy birthday, Siggy. I miss you guys, and... Uh, you know what, what? What a dude! Basically, I <laughs> he knows everybody, and uh, I remember going around with him at, in Reykjavik one year, and um, and saying, "Siggy, you're like the the king of Reykjavik." He said, "I prefer the court jester," which I think is much cooler. Uh, so yeah, Sugar Cubes hit. What a cool song! And before that, um, we heard two marvelous doses of the vocals of Gareth Thomas um, via Wobbly Lamps, Alice the Goon. And uh, that was a big scoop of nostalgia for me. And uh, Black Tomorrow, Sooths, which is uh, Gareth's new project. And uh, they have, as I say, a new kind of extended EP. Well, extend EP stands for extended play. And so essentially I've just said an extended, extended play, which 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 could well be true. This is, I think there's six tracks on there. It's out now. So check it out. It's very, very, very good indeed. Uh, what time is it? How much longer have we got? Oh, got to come out to half an hour left of the Rock and Roll Witch Show. If you're just tuning in, I'm Zoe Howie, listening to Soho Radio, and uh, it's the NYC and Culture Channel. And uh, if you want to catch up with this and uh, other shows, previous shows, um, you can um, on the Soho Radio Mix Cloud, or if you go to uh, the Rock and Roll Witch page on the Soho Radio London website, all the uh, previous shows are uploaded and listed there or I'll share them on my own mix cloud basically there's no escape at all and and why would you want to escape from the rock and roll witch no need to answer that one um now I did promise or or, or threaten I suppose some people might <laughs> might see it that way um to read a little extract from my book witchful thinking um which I'm doing I'm doing a couple of events actually coming up soon very soon indeed I'm honored to be part of the magical women conference this uh, this month uh, on the 15th of October so do look up the Magical Women Conference Magical with a K M A J M A G I C K A L Women Conference um, look up their website because all the details are on there it's going to be an amazing day and uh, it's going to be taking place in central London October the 15th and I will be there um, doing a little bit of a talk on a panel it's kind of you know I've, I've, I've basically prepared a little thing called you know light-hearted thing called uh, the witch's guide to unpacking black and uh, basically looking at the kind of silly prejudices around the use of black um and how witches use it for positivity and protection and things like that so kind of looking at that and uh, it ties into uh, one of the themes that you'll find in my book witchful thinking the wise woman's handbook creating a charmed life and uh, there is another gig coming up as well i'm very excited to be part of um, the 10th louder than words festival in manchester um i've been involved in in almost every single one every year it's been such um, a treat to be involved and be part of that louder family and uh, this year 
there's two exciting things. Well, the whole thing is very exciting, but uh, from my point of view, uh, we're going to be um, unveiling for the first time um, The Jam 1982, which is the book I mentioned before, a collaboration with Rick Buckler from The Jam. Rick will be in conversation with Daryl Eastley. I will be um, lurking somewhere in the audience with a glass of champagne. I think I thought I'd leave that to uh, to Rick. Um, but the next day, on the Sunday, which is November the... Hang on, hang on. Numbers, you see. Sorry, November the 13th, Sunday the November the 13th, I'm doing a Witchful Thinking chat with the brilliant rapper, songwriter and witch, Mikey Garland, who um, brilliantly hosted uh, the first Witchful Thinking event in Liverpool at uh, Writing on the Wall Festival uh, when it first came out in May. So it's a real pleasure to be reconnecting with Mikey and talking about um, specifically well, my kind of preoccupation that music is magic and that songs are spells. Uh, so we'll be talking about that and uh, and probably plenty of other witchy things besides at Louder Than Words Festival. So very excited about that. Now I'm going to read you an extract from Witchful Thinking that pertains, well, it particularly pertains to Halloween and I will be joining you again on these Soho air ra- radio airwaves on October the 31st. Very excited about that be doing a special show but you know it's good to start preparing for what you might do around Halloween don't wait till the day and think oh what shall I do and then sort of realize you haven't got all the bits and pieces that you that you might need so I'm going to read you the bit from the book that um, pertains exactly to Halloween to give you a bit of inspiration maybe if you need it get you in the mood um, because frankly I think a lot of us are already in the mood. We're always in the mood. Um, so here goes. Samhain is... Because there's a whole kind of... You see, I'm interrupting myself. But <laughs> there's a section of the book which is uh, called The Wise Woman's Calendar, The Wheel of the Year. Uh, because as many of you will know, um, pagans, neo-pagans live by each turn of the wheel of the year. Every rock and roll witch show is uh, celebrating a turn of the wheel of the year. These seasonal shifts... Um, so, and in fact, everybody really kind of, we, we all observe these shifts, whether we do it consciously or not. Um, so that is something of of, of a preoccupation for me. So this is the October, um, turn. Uh, so Samhain is an Irish word pronounced Samhain, obviously. Um, this point of the year is also known as All Souls Night and the Celtic New Year. You know, to me, I relate it to um, points in the uh, the menstrual cycle, in the lunar cycle. So we're thinking premenstrual to menstruation. Moon is waning to dark and the magic hour or twilight. That's the kind of part of the day that I think of. Um, so this is a space between the worlds. And it's the most potent point in the year for most witches and neo-pagans. Samhain marks the end of the harvest season. And once more, we light the bale fire or a micro version of it. A candle will do. Um, to represent purification, protection, warmth and light, to illuminate the darkness as the sun continues its retreat. But we also want to embrace the darkness and what might be willing to come forth as the veil between the worlds lifts. We do this with care, with discernment, respect and plenty of psychic protection. Don't dabble or start anything you don't know how to finish, is my advice. I would echo advice also to avoid blunt instruments such as Ouija boards and also don't invoke anything that you don't understand or feel safe with. In fact, I'd go so far as to say no horror movies. I know that won't, (laughs) probably doesn't go down too well at Halloween, but you know, trust me. 
at least if you're a sensitive like me. Just be careful what you open yourself up to and what you plant in that imagination of yours. Halloween is not actually about spooking yourself silly with slasher movies or dressing up as a corpse or extorting candy from your neighbours. The original nature of this special time has been warped, but it is actually a time to celebrate those on the other side and to communicate them with them if we wish. If nothing else, we can honour them by writing them a letter and burning it. If you can't have a fire, use a steel saucepan. Um, sidebar, um, a previous guest on the Rock and Roll Witch show, Laura Keeble, calls this fire mail, and I think that is brilliant. So she, she, she uses that technique a lot for um, communication, not just between the worlds, but I think she uses it for just sort of people that she maybe can't get a message through to or you know can't, can't speak to. Uh, but they're still on this side of the veil. Um, it's a great way of, of communicating psychically. Um, so yeah, fire mail, I love that phrase. Anyway, um, back to the book. We may also make a toast to them, and leave the first pieces of, say, an apple cake that we've baked for the occasion, because apples symbolise love and immortality. Give the beloved dead their own place setting, or set your offerings somewhere private. The Irish traditionally believe the departed come and eat with us at Samhain but they don't want to eat in our earthly presence. Choose something you know that they liked whether it be their favourite sweets, a drink they loved or a packet of smokes. Anything that connects strongly to the way you remember them is ideal. The life force energy of the gift will be consumed even though the physical remains will still be there the next day. In your offerings remember the fae and elementals or any other light beings or deities you wish to thank and include in your party. And yes, it is a party, just with real ghosts rather than people dressed up. Apples abound at Samhain, hence the old Halloween game of apple ducking or apple bobbing, essentially trying to catch apples floating about in a tub of water with one's teeth. This can be traced back to the Roman invasion, when the conquerors brought apple trees to British shores and blended their celebrations with those of the Celts. People have been getting soaked every Halloween since. Samhain is also a good night for scrying or divining the future and the following practice is simple to set up, especially if you've been bobbing for apples already. Go to the tub of water you use for apple ducking, light a candle and then focus on a question. Once you have your thought in mind, pour the wax from the lit candle into the water. The wax forms can be very revealing. And I've also included a little charm a cheerful apple charm I have called it so chop your apple horizontally revealing the pentagram inside and give the other half to a loved one think about a positive change you would like to see in yourself or your life take a cocktail stick or toothpick and carve your wish into the flesh around the pentagram add any relevant symbols glyphs runes or sigils that you feel will power up your intention and then eat it this is a good working for a waxing or full moon as it is about increasing something in yourself or your life and making an aspect of yourself flourish. If it is a waning or dark moon, I'd suggest choosing an intention that focuses on releasing or banishing. Carve in the symbols or words as before, but instead of taking it into yourself, bury it with a blessing in the compost or under some leaves outside. It will nourish the earth and the creatures as it rots down, taking that which no longer serves with it and transforming the old into new and useful energy. We might not feel especially enchanted by the idea of rotting fruit, but there's magic in entropy and decay. Don't let anyone tell you different. 
I adapted the above charm from an archaic English folk spell. The original working was used to bewitch another being, a badly behaved pig, to be specific. But I prefer the idea of working this kind of improving magic on oneself first, unless someone really is being a pig. And actually that... um, the folk spell I referred to is from um, one of Michael Howard's books. Um, I think it was East Anglian Witches and Wizards. I think that was the one. Really, really interesting book, as all his writings are. Michael Howard, the uh, <laughs> the witchy pagan writer, not the uh, the politician. I hasten to add that would be quite a, a curveball. <laughs> but you know, people have all sorts of layers. But no, it's definitely not the politician time for some more music and uh, this connects with Louder Than Words in fact because one of the uh, many fabulous writers featured, uh, writers slash music stars I should say, uh, in this year's festival in Manchester is the amazing P.P. Arnold who has her memoir out and she will be in conversation at Louder Than Words um, talking about that and promoting her book so that is very exciting so I wanted to um, represent her on the Rock and Roll which show today i think it's her birthday hang on a minute let me just look that up yes yes it is literally her birthday this very on the 3rd of october 1946 was the day that she was born so how cool is that um i'm gonna play i mean i love her work with the small faces so i'm gonna play if you think you're groovy and i'm gonna follow that up with some more music I haven't decided yet what it will be just have to listen wait and see <laughs> Thank you. 